Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is truly appreciated. We're doing so much and talking about so much when it concerns the latest news and trends of pop culture. Hopefully you get a chance to follow us and like us at Pop Culture Cosmos on our social media where we drop the latest news and notes, especially on our Facebook page. So go ahead and check it out today at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But a lot of good things to talk about this week and here to talk about them for about, the, let's go for about 35, 40 minutes or so. Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out today whenever he stops by the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is my good friend, Mr. TJ Johnson. TJ, always good to have you here. You threatened me a couple weeks ago <laughs> with a talk on VR. You know my apprehension on VR. And it's not just an old man a get off my lawn type deal because i i love and embrace technology i've told you that before i go to ces right. every year since 1996 right. and uh, you know I, I love fascinating new technology but with vr it just it's never resonated with me and i don't think it's resonated with uh, the majority of individuals out there that's why it's never caught on to any large avenue but before we talk about a couple of the other things i want to talk about regarding comic-con and also as well indiana jones all these different manufacturers again for a market that is seemingly not that large and not embracing of the technology as fast <clears throat> and as large as you think it should why are so many different manufacturers out there like Meta, when you've got Apple, when you've got PlayStation, when you've got Oculus, you've got all these different companies making headsets. Mm -hmm. Is there enough to people to buy them? Ooh, I mean, that's a good question, G. First of all, thank you for having me on the show, uh, as you always. And I did not, let me be clear, it was not a threat, okay? I simply <laughs> implied that VR is an avenue that we don't talk about very much on the pop culture cosmos. And we should, because it is an avenue for entertainment like anything else. So it was simply my desire to want to open up and broaden your horizons. It was not well, a I, No, I talk about it some with Melinda, and I talk about it some yeah, with Josh yeah. in but the it's past. Not, it's not me. It's not me. It's not and, me. And, and it's usually the same thing you're going to get from me as far as the technology. So I feel, <laughs> I, I feel like VR is a threat. I feel like VR is like a, you know, a peer pressure that, oh, you have to go ahead and get VR. You have to go ahead and put that headset on. <laughs> you have to go ahead and put those goggles on. I have tried VR. I yeah. just don't think, I just, it's just not for me as of yet. Okay. I like to go ahead and experience things without having about 10 pounds of goggle on my head. <laughs> well, the Oculus is only about six. So there you go. Oh, right there. that's a big difference. <laughs> um, uh, but in all seriousness, to answer your original question, do I think that there's enough out there? I mean, I like to think there's enough people out there. The Oculus did sell about 20 million off, off a report that I read. That was about four months ago. They're having a hard time with retention, but they've sold 20 million headsets. So there's a use for it out there. And, and there's, a, there's a platform for people that are looking for VR experiences, if you will, really? uh, to who, go to. Who is buying it? Because you don't, no one talks about it on social media. Nobody, 
you know, I mean, if anybody talks about anything, it's the play, PlayStation VR and now the mm-hmm. VR2. But even then, now PSVR2 has not gotten off to a gangbuster start. And actually, according to their latest stock consultations with their shareholders, mm-hmm. they even talked about underwhelming sales for the PSVR2. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the PSVR2 was overpriced, overhyped, underperformed, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, from the get-go. I mean, when they came out saying that the VR was going to be more expensive than the PlayStation itself, or just as expensive as the PlayStation itself, I can tell you uh, definitively, they absolutely lost me. Uh, they've lost their rabbit mind. They think I'm going to pay the same price for a PlayStation for an add-on to the PlayStation, and it still has to be tethered to the PlayStation, so I don't even have the freedom of movement that an Oculus would provide, but you expect me to pay that money for it? You guys have lost your rabbit mind. There's no way. Um, so as far as the PSVR we're not even going to go there. there that that was that was stupid it was dumb there's no way they should have done it knowing the market that we're in how much they're charging for a ps5 how hard it is to get a ps5 and then oh by the way on top of that i want you to purchase a peripheral that's going to cost just as much it's still going to be tethered but you're going to have a lot of fun with it no no there's no way there's no way so psvr they can kick rocks and no socks on as far as i'm concerned now as far as if there's enough of a uh user base for the quest I truly do believe so, and it's 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 been actually funny for the last uh, about a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, I was on vacation, but then when I came back, my mother, um, who is at home getting ready to have a, a, a surgery, so she's not really able to stay as active and move around and, and do as much as she has been, actually asked to keep my VR for a while, and she has been going nuts on it. I'm talking like adding buying games putting them on there just having a, a a great time she likes to be able to have the escapism and i think gerald to go to your point of who who's who's it marketed for who's it geared towards i think it might be geared towards that person the the ready, ready player one type person who uh, enjoys the idea of getting into this this metasphere or this meta space and and being able to kind of create their own existence or be someone that they want to be or, or, or have the experience of a social experience without really going out to be social. Everybody's still not ready to go out after the pandemic. Everybody's still not ready to, to go out and, and do the things that they maybe did prior to, especially after being locked up in the house for the last, you know, two, three years. Uh, It's, it's a slow coming out of that. And I think that the VR, uh, space if you will makes that a little bit easier to do if that makes any sense so i i do that there's quite a bit of a market for it now the question becomes how does meta go as far as keeping people engaged in the vr headset because like i said they've sold over 20 million of the headsets between the oculus one two the rift the oculus s so on and so forth um but as far as the retention and people continuing to use the product that's a bigger thing. I can absolutely tell you that I, I, I've had a headset for maybe about two years at this point, maybe about two years. Mm-hmm. Used it quite a bit at first. There was a bit of a battery problem, so I stopped using it as often. And I didn't use it as, as, as much as I probably could have. Uh, came out with an updated battery or a battery add-on peripheral for it, along with some other peripherals. Made the strap better. Uh, they're going to add some more memory to the same one that we already have or some more RAM or release some software, I'm not sure. They're gonna make it even better, but saying that's the same. I wow. used it quite a bit over the last uh, over the last month prior to going out of town and then prior to my mother uh, confiscating my VR. So uh, I'm having a lot more fun with it. I'm enjoying uh, some of the experiences. 
Uh, I'm enjoying some of the workouts that you can get with it. And I'm enjoying the uh, the longer battery life with the with the additional battery pack that I got for it. Um, and then some of the games now are much more. Uh, they're not as it, it's not as cumbersome to play, and you mm-hmm. don't get as much motion sickness pain playing them anymore. So games like Creed boxing, uh, games like uh, a title fight boxing, or games like Iron Man VR, games like Resident Evil Four, it doesn't give you as much of the motion sickness as VR games had tendency to do in the past because they've gotten better they understand what to do uh to prevent the motion sickness from happening so it makes it a much more comfortable gaming experience um even for extended periods of time so i definitely think there's a market out there for it uh, i know i'm a big proprietor of it I, i've enjoyed it uh, and uh I, I look forward to seeing what it does in the future um i just i'm not a fan of being tethered you know if you if you want vr you want this freedom of movement this freedom to be able to do what it is that you want to do the last thing you need is a wire telling you where you can and can't go and the beauty of the oculus versus the psvr or the psvr2 um, is that it keeps you tethered to the console so you can never really get the full immersion because you're kind of stuck in one spot so to speak and that's something that i think still needs to be the next step because you know the immersion factor I understand it, but if you're always worried about wires, you're always worried, mm-hmm. and that's going to be an issue. You, there, there needs to be a fully wireless, and that's something that I think that will come down the the pike. But even the thirty five hundred dollar Apple Vision Pro on the way, that mm-hmm. still has cables. That still yeah. is tethered. It, you know, when you concerns the Oculus, the PlayStation VR, the Oculus Rift, the HTC Five. All those still have some kind of restraint as far as some type of uh, connection that you still have to have. And in the days of wireless this, Bluetooth that, it just seems to me rather baffling that if you still have to put the headset on and it's still cumbersome to some, and like you said, there's still maybe issues with with motion sickness, even though they've they've taken great lengths to go ahead and try to reduce that. There's still ways to go with these headsets before I think really people need to go ahead go ahead and try it in 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 large quantities because of the fact again there's still so much writing against it because of the fact it's still tethered to a console, a PC, what have you. There is, and and I think we're really, and this is where the Oculus 2 and the Oculus 3 are gonna really come into the center stage, if you will, and this is why I think the Oculus is gonna end up being, when it's all said and done, is gonna continue to be the most popular VR headset that's in the market currently. It's because it's not tethered, and it has the ability to pick up and take it wherever it is that you wanna go. Like you can create a, a play space, a virtual play space, and look at the dimensions of your own home and say, okay, I need to carve out a four by six square and that's your area so and it has an invisible wall that keep you from what well, i can't say keep you because it, it can't physically stop you uh but it does give you a visual representation hey you're reaching the end of the play space you don't want to you know you might want to back up or whatever the case may be uh, but it allows you to take that experience wherever it is that you want to go and you're not hindered by strings or cords or cables or whatever it's, it's very reminiscent of you know when ultron was being created and he you know, as, as it's panning away from him, you know, there are no strings on me. There are no strings with the Oculus. The only things that are strung are the controllers to your wrist to keep you from, uh, just like the Wii Motor, 
even like the uh, the Nintendo Switch has the grips as you can use as well, but to keep you from losing the controllers as you're flailing about saving the world or or creating potions using being an alchemist or whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, you don't want to hurt anybody. You don't want to toss it into your television, your wall, your floor, whatever case, whatever you're swinging around. Uh, so it allows you to tether your controllers to your wrists. But other than that, you're 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 you're, you're cable free, bud. Okay, so you've solved supposedly that issue. <laughs> yes. Okay. As still, for a lot of people out there, the fact is that you still have to put on this headset mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. and wear it for these these uh, virtual reality, these VR games, VR adventures are not exactly full 30, 40, 100 hour adventures because, again, still they're not at that level because the immersion factor, just because of the fact that, you know, people will get headaches and, and dizziness and things of that mm -hmm. nature, motion sickness, if they had it on for 30, 40 hours at a time. So obviously there's still a point where, where there's limits, there's limitations uh, to what you can do and how long you can use quest to that's out there. So you've, cool. you, you, you're getting into the wireless part of it. That is making mm -hmm. it more appealing. Mm -hmm. But there's still a fact that you are putting on a headset that weighs, or like you said, six, seven pounds. Well, yeah, and, and the user has to take that into consideration as well. But to be fair, um, that's going to be up to the user. I can wear the Quest headset for an hour or two hours, and I'm I'm fine. So it's it's going to be your ability to tolerate that you know additional weight, or your ability not to tolerate that additional weight. But the nice thing about it is you can pick it up and play it just as much as you like, no different than a mobile game, no different than, you know, us not really having the opportunity that we, you know, we'd like to being grown men that have careers, families, so on and so forth. We don't get to spend 20 hours at a time playing a video game or five hours at a time playing video games. We'll be lucky to be able to get one hour at a time playing a video game before we're interrupted by life as it is. So it's really no different when you're using the Quest headset or any other headset at that point. Um, there's a tolerance level that comes with it, and there's a tolerance level that you build up the more that you use it. So uh, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of I can only use it for 30 minutes at a time, 40 minutes at a time, then that might be your experience for the time being. But the more you use it, the stronger that you get, the better off your experience is going to ultimately be. There are games that will um, give you enough of a quest to spend hours upon hours. Again, I'm looking at games like Resident Evil 4. I'm looking at games like Iron Man VR. Well, they're not 40, 50 hour games, there's still substantial enough games where you might want to take a break in between, or you're not going to finish the whole game in one playthrough um, with one battery life, specifically on the Oculus. Uh, so it's important that you're going to be able to take breaks and understand where your tolerance level and your threshold for that particular type of physical uh, activity, if you will, can go. And even still, you can even do a lot of those activities while you're still sitting down. So they give you a range of opportunity and a range of different ways to enjoy the space that you're in without necessarily having to be up, be physical, run around, flail around the entire time. You can still be in a virtual space, but still be sitting in the comfort of your own home, in the comfort of your chair, and just working with the space that's directly in front of you. So they give you a multitude of options. It's really based on your tolerance level. And I'd prefer a system and a game that doesn't tell me how I have to do it. If, if I have the option to sit down, if I have the option to stand up, I'd like that to be my choice and not the game's choice for me. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts.
Once again, it is TJ Johnson. He is back again trying to convince <laughs> me about the wonders of VR and oh, virtual reality. <laughs> I will say, though, that when Apple Vision Pro comes out, obviously the power that it has behind it being that it costs, in some cases, 10 times more than what some of the units out in the marketplace cost, it's amazing to see how much more they are pricing it as. Are you really going to be getting 10 times more experience in what you're going to be able to do with the Apple Vision Pro than, let's say, a MetaQuest or an HTC Vive or a PlayStation VR 2? Well, you know, it really depends on who who you're marketing that to. And let's be very clear, you know, they even have a MetaQuest Pro uh, that's, I want to say, around 2000 bucks or something, something astronomical like the Apple uh, one that's going to be coming out. That's clearly not geared toward the casual gamer. That might not even be geared towards the hardcore gamer. That's going to be geared more towards um, the business executive that has to use a virtual space to create different designs or somebody who's communicating with somebody who's year or light, not light years, but is far, far, far away to whereas you're going to have to be able to to do things in a virtual environment to collaborate and get things done together. Um, so the, that technology is already out there. Quest has already done something like that. So of course, Apple sees what somebody else has done and finds a way to do it better. Uh, and, and that's that's fine. That's that's their product. That's their ammo. They've, they've been doing it since they've been making cell phones. So that's nothing new. Uh, what I will say is that it's geared towards a specific audience. So it's not for me. I'm not the one that's going to be buying the $3,500 headset. I'm not the one that's going to be buying a $2,500 headset. However, with the virtual headsets that we have and the ability to be in this virtual space, it can still connect me to somebody who's 200 miles away, 2,000 miles away. It still is allowing me to have that connection, that personal interaction, even if we're not physically into the same intimate space. We're in the same space where we can still be together or have fun. I, I I used this example before. Uh, but when I lived in Florida and my daughter lived here in Illinois, uh, we would have virtual dates where we would pick a game and we would both occupy the same game and kind of play in the same space and and just have fun. And it, it, it would not be a, obviously there's no way to fully get that one-to-one ratio of interaction between, you know, two people who are not physically in the same space, but to be able to still have an interaction, still be able to have fun, laugh, talk, um, play a game together as if we are in the same space, even while we're not physically occupying the same space. It's a it's a it's an experience that you really can't put a price tag on. And I can tell you that it got me through some of the most difficult times that I had being so far away from her, being able to still find ways to connect, being able to still find ways to play and have fun and laugh and talk and just relax. It's not even like we had to do a game that was super um involved or super uh, physical where we were flailing or playing tennis. We could be telling jokes through cards that we found on the floor or being up on stage drawing on a board. Like there were just uh, a number of things that we could have done and it made it for a very casual experience or it can make it for a very um, non-casual experience. It, it's entirely up to the user. And I think when technology is used for the its intended purposes in a situation like that or in a situation where you're not physically able to get up and walk around, but you know, if 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 I'm handicapped, if I'm uh, somebody who doesn't have the use of my legs anymore, and I can't physically walk around, being able to still feel that experience, you know, like an avatar type film, it's what the technology is intended to be used for. And when you use it for its intended purposes, 
the sky really is the limit. So I have, uh, while I can't say I'll be the person to purchase a $3,500 headset, um, I am definitely invested in the, the, the future of VR and what the potential for is present um, and what it can potentially be moving forward. Once again, it's TJ Johnson. Appreciate so much him stopping by to share the wonders of VR as the VR defender that he is uh, right here at the Pop Culture <laughs> Cosmos. Before we hit up our other subjects, before we head on out, my friend, I do want to go ahead and ask, okay, the price tag is still something where, you know, as far as a barrier for most people and and still seemingly, you know, with the fact that most people prefer gaming on their phones, gaming on their consoles, and, you know, the productivity part of it as far as... Uh, I just think that people don't understand why they would need it to for right now for productivity purposes. It just seems it's for entertainment and entertainment mm-hmm. only right now. Mm-hmm. And I understand that the involvement of VR eventually one will be one day that it is going to be fully useful and practical for all facets of our society. Mm-hmm. And that'll be great. And that it will not need the goggles and it will not need that. And I will be able to embrace it fully at that point in time. As I've told you before, mm-hmm. I still love the fact that, you know, I got a chance to interact with Microsoft's Illuma room a long time ago. And I'm sorry to see that they abandoned that technology because I thought it had so much promise, but be that as it may, VR is still here and the headsets are still part of what we do. I think before, we actually as a society will embrace VR fully because you said 20 million are sold. That's mm. still, you know, just a drop in the bucket compared to the console manufacturers. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I'm not going to underestimate anything that's as far as the demand for Apple in the Apple vision pro, because even though it's 10 times more in some cases than a VR people love their Apple. And just because you you could slap a toaster with the Apple logo on it and people will go crazy (laughs) over it. So your thoughts, though, on where VR needs to go before it is fully embraced by our society? Um, You know, that's a great question. I think there need to be more more conversations like the one that we're having before it can truly be embraced, because I, I really do feel like there's a stigma. If you think about it, if we go back 20 years, there was a huge stigma about people that played video games and we were nerds, we were antisocial, we uh, didn't know how to uh, keep conversation, we didn't know how to to keep a connection, a physical connection with people uh, because we got lost in video games. And so there was a stigma that was behind it and it took some time, but the stigma slowly dissipated and now, you know, 20 years later, it's turned into one of the de facto forms of entertainment playing video games. So there's a stigma that's with VR, that's, that's, that's no different than a stigma that's with anything else that when it first kind of comes out and it's still new when people are still kind of in deciding if they want to embrace it and there's this whole idea of you know being lost in the machine being a ghost in the shell if you will or or just just being overly immersed in a different world and not being plugged into the real world and you know i think for people that feel that way you have to be able to learn how to take everything in moderation so obviously if you're spending you know out of 24 hours if you're spending a solid 16 in a virtual world consistently, then that may be a cause for concern. But once we, as a as a society, start to get past these social um, 
the social norms that we have in regards to what communication looks like, what entertainment looks like, what being in a virtual space looks like. Once we get past what our preconceived notions of what it's supposed to look like is and just kind of embrace it for what it actually is, um, I think it's going to end up being a much better um, experience for everyone involved. But the truth of the matter is it's just not as popular right now. And the reasons being it, people just have it's a, it's got a certain stigma to it uh, that has not been shaken yet. And there is a cause barrier that comes with it. But, you know, as you mentioned before, it, it's not a necessity. Uh, so you, you pay for a luxury. It's no different than me wanting to go out and buy a Tesla. I can't just go plop $5 down to go pick up a Tesla or $200 down to go pick up a Tesla. It's, it's an investment and it's an investment into something that if you want that newer technology, if you want that experience of having a Tesla, you pay for the experience of having a Tesla. It's no different than paying for VR. And with that being said, the Oculus is still to date one of the most um one of the most uh, comfortable expenses, if you will, or it, it's not nearly as costly as some of the other VR uh, options that are out there. The HTC uh, VR, I want to say it's the HTC Vive or something like that. Yeah, uh, HTC that's Vive, even more, yes. Thank you. That's even more expensive than uh, an Oculus. And the Oculus is giving you a lot more to do. And again, we're talking about not being tethered. So there's so many more options uh, for VR, absolutely. But a lot of those options for VR are considerably more expensive and are considerably higher entry point as far as price is concerned for the average consumer versus someone that's looking to get into VR, looking to kind of start and dip their toe in. I think the Oculus is a great way to do that because again, it's it's a, a lower entry point. So it's not nearly as, uh, as it doesn't give you as much apprehension to purchase something of that nature. Um, and obviously if you're looking in the VR room, you have a bit of a disposable income anyways to be able to enjoy that kind of, that form of entertainment. Uh, so with that, you want to get the most bang for your buck. And that's where I would absolutely suggest the Oculus. Um, but once the stigma of VR, once the stigma of of that space that you're occupying, be, not being the real world, but being a virtual space in the real world, once that kind of goes away, you know, then I think it'll be a bit more acceptable. It's no different than when you when you see somebody that has a VR headset on. The first thing people do is want to record their phone, say, look at this, somebody, somebody look at this, somebody look at this person over here battling these space demons in a virtual headset when there's literally nothing around them and it's fun and it's a joke and it's a ha-ha moment and it's kind of goofy because yeah you're fighting something that's not truly there physically but mentally you know it's there or in your virtual space it's right there so of course you're going to defend yourself in that virtual space um, but it looks funny so it, it's it's a great joke now because people just don't really buy into it uh, but ultimately I, I truly do believe that they will uh, buy into it because it's really in my professional opinion, my personal opinion, it's really the way forward. It might be the way forward is just, again, there's still barriers for success, I think. It's not a new concept. It's not a new no. ideal. It's not a new technology. We're talking about decades-old technology, and there's always been barriers to it, you know, even going back to the virtual boy on Nintendo. You know, there's just so many people are apprehensive like myself into getting into it because i just don't see it as something i would be interested in utilizing all that much yeah and but again joe that's that's no different than any new piece of technology um that you purchase obviously if you were to purchase a new console then the majority of that time the console is going to be used is predominantly for video games but you might find other uses for it uh and that's great and and that's kind of what we should do it should be a a multi-purpose tool as opposed to just one specific thing. But with that being said, there's going to be 
barriers for everything that you do uh, to, for a lot of people purchasing a PlayStation is a barrier because of this price point. Getting into the Microsoft ecosystem has barriers, but they're trying to do whatever they can to break down those barriers and make it more accessible for everybody to do so. So there's always going to be barriers in, in any technology that's that's new or technology that's being purchased. And you mentioned that, you know, it's not a new technology. No, VR has been around for a very long time. Obviously, we're looking back at even things like Tron and how they've incorporated the idea of virtual reality and, and putting you into a game and they made it in a, in a visual format and having the movie Tron and Tron Legacy, which we've already talked about on this platform, how much I love that film, be that as it may. Yes, it is an older technology, but let's not pretend like this technology has not has not completely evolved from the time that it was initially uh, invented or, or, or hinted at. It is a completely different world that we're looking at now. We're not looking at uh, a ball being hit against a, a line back and forth anymore. We are looking at fully realized worlds and, 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 and virtual spaces that you're able to truly interact with and create a full level of immersion uh, that we have not seen. Uh, in decades prior to. So while virtual reality in itself is not a new concept, the things that are being done in the virtual space now have not been done before. And the way that we were able to interact in this virtual space has not been done before. So yes, it's it's an apples to apples comparison from a standpoint of, uh, of what virtual reality is. But when you look at what you're doing now versus what you were doing back then, there's, there's really no comparison. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with TJ Johnson. TJ Johnson is back talking a lot of great things when concerned pop culture. He has tried for the past half hour to convince me to <laughs> delve into the world of virtual reality. So we will wait and see what the market holds for us. I do think there are better signs for the virtual reality market. I do think there are... I do think it's gaining interest. I think Apple getting into the market obviously is going to be... Uh, something of interest and shine some light on the industry as a whole. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and touch on a couple more things. Comic-Con uh, is still next month. And unfortunately, it's going to be Comic-Con light because of all the individual companies, yeah. Marvel, DC. Uh, there's several others that are not going to be attending Star Trek, uh, Star Wars. They're not going to be part of it people going there for cosplay and, and the great vendors and the great collectibles that you could still get at Comic-Con, my friend, a lot less on the entertainment side, which is truly disappointing. Your thoughts, though, after E3 couldn't get off the ground and everybody decided to go virtual again this year with their presentations, and it was just admitted by the, uh, I think, with the L.A. Council that uh, mm -hmm. there's not going to be an E3 for the next two years after that, too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not a good sign for everybody out there. Your thoughts, though, are conventions going the way of the Dodo? You know, Joe, uh, it really ties very well into the conversation we've been having about virtual reality and a virtual space. Yes, I do believe conventions as we know it are going the way of the dinosaur, the amount of money that goes into the conventions, the 
the fanfare that goes into a wall is is outstanding. Let's let's be frank. It's not where it used to be. People have been tired of the E three space for a while, but we've never had a, a real alternative to it, and we were never forced into having an alternative to it until the pandemic happened. And once the pandemic happened and made everybody stay indoors, we still had to find ways to get entertainment, and we still had to find ways to engage with the community and when i, I say we I'm, I'm talking like i'm a software developer i'm a software company but they still had to find ways to engage with us as the consumer uh, in regards to their new product and so they figured out different ways to do it and they figured out how to have virtual conventions how to have virtual spaces how to have uh these presentations where they're in control of the narrative they're in control of what's being shown how much of it's being shown how much information is being given uh, there's less opportunity for technical gaps and snafus to happen so absolutely um the the conventions as we know it are going to go the way of the dinosaur at some point now you're going to have your purists out there myself included who still enjoys going to a physical show and i would absolutely still enjoy going to a physical comic con a physical e3 a physical uh convention of any of those types of way shape or form i would enjoy that but the truth of the matter is where we are currently as a society where we are currently as a people there are easier ways to get things done with less effort and anytime you have the opportunity to do something easier, quicker, more efficient and put in less work to do so, then I think we would be foolish not to look into all those avenues, especially considering the fact that virtual reality, as we know, now Apple be kind of getting themselves into the game is on the rise, whether we realize it or whether we're ready to accept the fact or not, it's on the rise. So if you look at something like the NBA implemented a virtual seat, so you were able to virtually sit courtside at a number of different NBA games, including Laker games, including uh, Chicago Bulls games, including Orlando Magic games. I remember looking at those specifically. So virtual reality is becoming a main, not a main way, but it's becoming a way to enjoy those same experiences. So I can absolutely see a future where we have a VR E3, where we have a, a virtual reality setting E3, where you're still walking, quote unquote, Two different booths to experience their games to experience their uh the, the 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 trailers coming out experience the presentations uh you can go to a different presentation in virtual reality right now they may not be e3 related but the point is we're already the, the software and the technology is already there now once the demand catches up with the, where the software is then i can really see a true switch if you will into that type of environment on a consistent basis but the the writing is definitely on the wall no different than the brick and mortar type stores are starting to go the way of the dinosaur. That's why a lot of these stores, if you're not a big chain retail, like a Costco, a Target, a Walmart, Sam's, you know, whatever the case may be, it has not been as, as easy for them to bounce back from the pandemic uh, as the other big box retailers have been able to do. So yes, we are definitely going into a system where the E3s as we know it, the Comic-Cons as we know it, um, the Morphicons for the Power Ranger fans, all those are going the way of the dinosaur because of the fact that, yes, it is less costly to host them virtually. It's less, uh, it's less hassle to host them virtually. And I don't have to leave the comfort of my home to experience those shows if I do them virtually, if I, if I jump in online to check them out, if I just see when they do a presentation on YouTube and, 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 and check it out as well. I've been able, we've been flooded with information over the past three years and we haven't gone anywhere to get it um if that's not the the idea of what getting rid of some of those conventions is based upon then i'm not sure what is but truth of the matter is the, it, 
they are going the way of the dinosaur. It's just a matter of when. Obviously, E3 being, uh, I don't know if it was officially canceled. I know that there were there were talks about it being canceled just a couple of days ago. So uh, I don't know if they were the, officially canceled. Well, the the folks behind, you know, that the help, obviously, the convention center, and mm-hmm. then you know, the they the the visitors authority and whatnot when they filed the report says that there's not one on the books or that it's been canceled right. for the next two years that could be up for change right. if, 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 uh, if the people behind penny arcade decide to go ahead and and renew e3 for a larger audience once again they decide to go through with it but we'll see i know with with comic-con the fear though is because it's strike related now uh you know that's the reason why that they're actually not appearing is because of what's going on with the writer's strike and a possible screen actors guild strike but yeah it's just it's just concerning that this is going to start a trend which we cannot get back oh absolutely absolutely it's going to start a trend and and unfortunately once that ball once that ball starts rolling you're not going to be able to stop it so yeah is there a trend in in, in getting rid of some of these uh, conventions yes is there a, a trend in um having things done in a more much more virtual setting yes and is there a trend where we're not going to see people occupy a virtual space on a much more consistent basis than we have in the past yes and, and apple jumping into the mix is a firm uh, with the, with their own flag and their own you know state the, the claim if you will uh it needs to be as much of a indicator as anything else that virtual reality is is not only here to stay, but is looking to move forward and become much more aggressive in the future, uh, in in the near future, and in the future to be to to, to come. So, um, I think you know the sooner we as a uh, a digital entertainment uh, consume consumer realize and just kind of accept it, you know, the easier it's going to be. You know, change is is inevitable. And it's going to happen with or without us. So if we want to be a part of it, we want to be a part of this this medium and continue to be able to talk about this type of stuff, then we, we have to be willing to uh, embrace it. Um, and, and while it may not be our favorite, you know, for a lot of people, yourself might be included, uh, it's going to be one of those things where we have to recognize as a real thing and just kind of allow to be what it is uh, moving forward. Once again, it's TJ Johnson along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this. But before we head to the break, and before we head on out, I do got to ask you, my friend, Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Dial of Destiny is this week. And, yes. uh, you know, it will be the last turn as Indiana Jones for Harrison Ford. He's not done acting. He said he's nowhere near done acting. That's for sure. So I ask you, my friend, over the long history, you know, the old adage is you like the odd ones, but you hate the even ones when it concerns the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> that for me, that holds very much true because of how much I enjoyed one and three. I'm hoping five will be better than the advanced word from the critics because, it, you know, lately we've seen critics say good things about The Flash. And, you know, The Flash is not exactly doing gangbusters at the box office no, it's uh, not. there's a lot that uh, goes behind that though there's yeah, a whole lot that goes behind that a whole lot because uh, yeah that's absolutely which we've covered on this show and also as well note hard feelings with jennifer lawrence who's beginning praise the movie's been getting panned but she's been getting praised it came out to a decent money right around expectations so it wasn't too hurt by that but with everything going on as far as the indiana jones and the dial of destiny movie coming out this weekend I still am looking forward to it because it's the last go around because it has some sentimental place in my heart. Are you going to miss Indiana Jones? No, I, I'm not going to miss Indiana Jones. I mean, it's Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. 
Um, he's the same guy that we've all come to love. He's just a little uh, weathered, if you will, or a little little seasoned. Uh, but he's still Harrison Ford. I, I think I'll still enjoy it for what it is. I was never, to be honest and, and to speak frankly, I was never a huge Indiana Jones guy. It was it wasn't I had to run out and see each and every one of them. In fact, I can probably think of maybe two to three that I've actually seen. With that being said, I'm not opposed to another Indiana Jones. Will I miss it? I probably will miss it in a, from a standpoint of going to the theater to see it just because nothing has really sparked my desire to to really jump in the theater other than like the Flash film. And honestly, I'm, I'm not so sure about going to go see that one anymore either. But I will check it out when it inevitably comes to Disney Plus. And that, again, goes back into what we were just talking about. The way that we've consumed media, the way that we consume uh, entertainment, it's changed. We don't have to. It's no longer I have to go to the theater to see this. It is much more easy and much more comfortable for people to look at it and say, I can check it out when it, when it comes on, on, on Netflix or I can check it out when it comes to Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or whatever subscription or platform that you use. People are much more comfortable now saying, eh, I'll wait. They really want to save, in my opinion, the movies for big, bombastic things that you can only experience in a theater. A new Star Wars, I would only want to experience that in the theaters. A new Avengers film, I would only want to really experience that in the theater where you can truly get that immersive entertainment factor and uh, something like indiana jones for as wonderful as indiana jones as a, as a series has been the odds not the evens um and for as awesome as harrison ford is as an actor and for as excited as, as i am that he at the tender age of 70 plus is still out there doing stuff 80 at, oh, at 80 is still out there doing stuff in his in his new uh ross the general awesome in in marvel continuity I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think all that is awesome, but I, I've just never been that guy to go see Indiana Jones in the theater. So will I miss it uh, theatrically release-wise? Yes. Digital platform? Probably not. I'll catch it then. Once again, it's TJ Johnson. TJ, you've been outstanding as always. I truly appreciate it, my friend. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the first episode of Secret Invasion yet, my goodness, you need to check it out. It is... It is, it is probably some of the best marvel stuff that i've seen really i thought it was okay i thought it was good but i I didn't think it was great i thought it was good you know we still there's a major spoiler at the end i won't say what right now because i think there's still a lot of people that need to see it but it is nice it's a change of pace and it does Mm. have a little bit of the winter soldier vibe for me which is the best yes best mcu movie i've ever seen so yep. yeah, yep. I, I like that yep. vibe, but I'm sticking with it. And I think it for me it gains a little bit more interest than the majority of the Disney Plus Marvel shows. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's been awesome to see for me personally. And like you mentioned, the aforementioned spoiler that we won't we won't dive into. I uh, miss Nick. I, I missed I Nick. I did. I miss Nick Fury. I miss his his wittiness. I miss his. Uh, and I'm interested to see how it his absence what the real reason behind his absence ultimately comes out to be. We know he was working on Saber and this, that, and the third, but there's more to it than just Saber, as was alluded to during his show. And so I'm curious to see how that evolves and plays out over the course of these next few weeks with this limited uh, limited series. But what it also does is it puts a nice bookend on characters that we've known for the last 10, 15 years and who's allowed their, who's being given their, their ability to come out and, and tell the rest of their story um, 
and us being able to actually say goodbye to some of these characters that we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing on the screen and may not have gotten their due uh, diligence for a farewell, for a farewell, but now we're getting an opportunity to see it now. So I'm I'm enjoying Secret Invasion. I enjoyed that first episode. Uh, I was able to call out who I thought was a scroll immediately. I was like, that's a scroll, that's a scroll, that's not a scroll. Uh, so it was, it was kind of fun. It was like a, like a Where's Waldo for scrolls, but uh, <laughs> it was a good time. And uh, if you haven't seen it, Pop Culture Cosmos fans, if you have not seen it, you need to see it. It's good stuff. Absolutely, my friend. It'll continue on for another five episodes. Looking forward to catching the rest of the series. It is Secret Invasion on Marvel. Please catch it today on Disney+. Plus. My friend, always great to have you here. Looking forward to when you drop by again, when you threaten me with new technology, man. <laughs> Gonna take me down, kicking and screaming into the world of virtual reality. <laughs> I'm just kidding on that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But always great to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to more conversations on pop culture, technology, and so much more always <laughs> with you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming back at you here. I had a friend who's been on this show regularly stop by and tell me and ask, Hey, Gerald, what about Star Wars? With all this hubbub going on this summer in regards to Marvel and DC and all that good stuff, what about Star Wars? As we head into Ahsoka, which has garnered a lot of interest because of what happened in The Mandalorian, which has been all over the map. Seasons two, Triumph and Brilliance uh, gave way to the confusion for many for season three of The Mandalorian. They're here today to talk about where we stand with the Star Wars universe. Uh, I don't even want to go into what they're planning as far as all the changes because Disney recently made some changes to the Star Wars movie slate. And that's another story altogether. Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. You know he's got his hands full with Secret Invasion, of course, and so much more. It is the man of true knowledge, Jeff Sloboda. And Jeff, great to have you back, my friend. Just uh, Star Warsing away right here on this weekend, Father's Day. I know. You know what? I I, I don't own a Star Wars hat. And I, I, I seriously pulled off a major fashion taboo here by look at how un, uncoordinated my outfit is. I got a Star Wars shirt on, no Star Wars hat. The, okay, Disney will not mind at all. Oh, because it wait. all goes to Disney. I was about to say, uh, with, for, with, for Disney, I'm all good. Uh, everything's, yeah. everything's gravy, right? Um, yeah, but no, yes. uh, no, uh, honestly, let's be honest here, Gerald. Um, I think that we've both known for a minute now, and we just haven't discussed it and whatnot, maybe personally, privately. Uh, that the Star Wars has been putting out better Disney Plus series than Marvel has for a, for a minute. 
I will say over the past couple of years, let's go over the past couple of years with what's come out. Let's just do, no, not go too far. No, Boba Fett not included. Yeah, okay, because, yeah, I don't want to go into the Book of Slobo Fett because that's a running joke here on the show because the Book of Slobo Fett, and yes, Boba Fett, has totally ruined my ideal plans and ideal dreams of what could be for Boba Fett because I know a lot of people like myself were thinking that Boba Fett was the coolest thing outside of Han Solo. And unfortunately, Disney and, and Disney Plus and Star Wars have found a way to lessen the mystique of Boba Fett with his series. And yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about some other things. Like Kenobi came out last year. It was okay for what it was. Although again, as I told Melinda Barkhouse Ross on her show many times, it's you know the the battles between Kenobi and Vader were, eh, you know, you're just like, okay, I'm gonna leave you for dead and just walk away and think it's okay. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, those outside of that, the story building was okay, and I enjoyed it for what it was. But the Star Wars series, as you know, man of true knowledge, really hit a high with Star Wars Andor. Mm. as being one of the best shows of 2022. I've already said it on this show several times, and they're the best of pop culture for this past year. It was there. Outside of a couple filler episodes, it was 10 episodes of 12 of absolute fantastical goodness. Andy Serkis was incredible in that role. Stellan Skarsgård was truly awesome in his role indeed. So everything was going well for, for Andor, absolutely, as I can see the poster on your back. And then we get into The Mandalorian Season 3, which I know a lot of people were kind of upset because it focused more on the Mandalorian side of things and the lore. And, you know, people asked for years, I want to know more about the Mandalorians. I want to know about the lore. So they got a whole ton of it. And then when they get a whole ton of it, they don't like it as much. So... Your thoughts, my friend, on where we stand going into Star Wars Ahsoka later this year? First of all, I want to thank Gerald. I really do want to thank Gerald heavily because uh, he's the only other person I know of in content creation that's pushed what he like he just said. That's pushed other people, like you know, straight up. And his personal, I know you've done it in the personal life too, Gerald. You told friends and whatnot. Hey, watch Andor. I know you, maybe you gave up on it after like the first couple episodes, but go back, watch it, finish it. It's good. Right, like, and I appreciate that. I do. Right, it's really yeah. good. It, it's it it's truly, truly some of the best Star Wars. You know, a lot for a lot of people since Rogue One. I liked Rogue One. I didn't love Rogue One. I do love Andor, and I really think it's one some of the best Star Wars uh, in the past uh, thirty years. That's so. a Rogue One poster right up there in the corner. So that is my new Star Wars wall that I am building. There you go. Absolutely. So you're all Star Warsing out. Uh, I do want to ask you. But, you, you know, your thoughts on what's going on with the Star Wars universe, it's been a mixed bag, my friend. Like everything with Disney lately, it's been a mixed bag. The Mandal Okay, so from what I understand right now, of course, um, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. Gerald knows that. I I'm happy. I'm, I'm not going to – I always like to admit this stuff and put it out there. I don't know all the lore. I rely on good guests and good other creators that come on my shows to supplement me and support me when I moderate these shows, right? When I did my Mandalorian three-part breakdown recap of the season – I had a whole panel full of people that know the lore, have read the books, right? Read the comics, right? To support me. Now, I still do my research and whatnot. And I'm telling you right now, Gerald, ever since Andor and Mandalorian Season 3, I am all in. Like, we're already dedicated. We've already scheduled ahead. We're doing Ahsoka. Ahsoka. 
we're doing skeleton crew. I'm even going to do a culty, right? The hell with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm going to review every single thing that they throw at us at this point. If we can fit it in, we're going to do it. Um, because I'm, I'm even ordering the books right now. I'm reading the novels. I want to know about Admiral Thrawn since that's where things are heading, right? Since that's where this Mandiverse is going. I got to tell you right now, from what I understand, from what people tell me in the Star Wars fandom, it's a 50-50 split, basically, on how they felt about season three. It, it was, it's about 50-50 as far as people just didn't like it or they, they, they liked it. Now, you, I love the Mandalorian stuff. I love Mandalore. I love Bo-Katan. I, I enjoyed season two immensely. It was one of my best. The year it came out, 2021. I don't think it followed up as strong uh, because of, again, and it's not because of just the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and all that. It's just, it's just the fact that it just, you know, it was, a, it had to tell the story, but the way it did was kind of scattershot at times. And I really think that it was not for the best. I really think that it made the series okay for this season instead of something that could really truly been special leaning off of what is a great season two. I thought it was entertaining at the very least. There were, I mean, you know, I, I get, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. No, episode three was kind of out there. You know what I'm saying? It really was. It was a really, really, uh, it was really a filler. It, it was, didn't even really make sense unless they're going to tie in that, that Dr. Perishing later on. But then again, he's mind wiped. So what use is he to anybody at this point? Right, but either way, seeing the Shadow Council, I loved that. That was huge for me. I really did. And I'm sorry, but like, my biggest complaint with the season, very, very simply, was this: the they episode, the this, this, I believe it was the seventh episode, was outstanding. They crammed so much into it; they did too much. They they should have left some of it for the finale because the finale, uh, it just fell flat for me. It really did. It was a drop off, and you know how it is, Gerald, with these series. If you drop off from episode six into seven as your finale, it's never good, you know. And yeah. um, but then again, I'm biased, folks. I love Katie Sackoff. Always will, always have, always will. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite shows from the you know late '90s, early 2000s. And her enthusiasm and love for Star Wars, and appreciation, and like you know, and appreciate pure appreciation she has to be able to play the role, of Bo-Katan. I I care about those things. Mm-hmm. And she vocally expresses to people that she feels that she's thankful mm-hmm. to be able to be a, a part of, of the Star Wars universe. I appreciate those things. I do. She's humble about, you know, she by is. her role. Yes. She and is. I think it's great. You know, it's very, it's very, she's a very real person. So I ask you, my friend, why do you think it didn't resonate with everyone? Because again, there was so much anticipation for it. A lot of people really, really wanted to get the best out of Mandalore. In fact, for many people, he was the highlight of his appearances on the Book of Boba Fett. So I ask you, why did season three resonate better with a, a larger audience? I think it's because I think it's because of multiple reasons, but I think one of the fundamental ones is the fact that they did go off the path of the first two seasons. They broke from that mold, right? From jump, they did. In the first episode, you kind of you, you got a feeling like you were gonna get your same old Mando, right? You did, right? You know, right off the bat, you get that huge freaking gator dinosaur monster, right? You know, and all that. That was awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was this Mando and Grogu jumping from planet to planet. Everything's just quick, 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 which you're used to with this, with this, with that series. Then all of a sudden, they just went into a totally different departure with things where they did heavily go deeply into the Mandalorian. 
lore, right? The history as best they could. Honestly, I think overall, I think that it's uh, people just really have their expectations these days of, of some of this TV stuff, especially the fandom stuff. It's just way too high. But yeah. I, I like where they're going. I like the fact that they feel like they have a plan. Again, that bounces off of the MCU, Gerald, doesn't it? That we've become like that. We've, we've gotten used. People don't realize we've become used to the MCU gave us this whole new dynamic where we could rely on plans and futures with these things confidently. They're doing that right now with the Star Wars stuff. I like that approach. I like that they're trying to lay things out and give people an idea where they're going with things. How the activity is going to work, I don't know. How involved the Skeleton Crew show will be involved in this, I have no idea. You know, we'll have to see. But Ahsoka on its own, the series itself, I think will be great. I do. I think it'll probably be it'll be more well received than The Mandalorian season three was. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you on on your thoughts on the Star Wars universe. But you got to give us a heads up on what you're doing at the MCU's Bleeding Edge before we head on out. Well, honestly, uh, I'm, shoot, in like 30, and 45 minutes, I'm going to go ahead and do a uh, Secret Invasion preview. And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to, just like we do every MCU, Disney Plus, you know, uh, Marvel series, we're going to review uh, Secret Invasion. We're going to review Loki Season 2 on Fridays instead of our main Wednesday show when that comes out. When they drop Echo, we're, even though they're going to drop it in one shot, we're going to review it episodically. Right, we will week by week, just like we always do, and take the time if it take our time. I've already got my panels assembled. Uh, people are excited, and we're doing regular movie reviews now every Friday. So, like, I mean, for instance, we have um, Casino this Friday. Can't wait for that. We're gonna review Casino. Um, last week we did. Um, oh, what did we do last week? Last week we did. Um, oh, we did Super Troopers recently. We did Traffic Thunder last week. That was fun. We did Bloodsport, baby. Uh, we got Kickboxer coming down the line. Roadhouse. Can't go wrong. Perfect film. Working for a dream. We did The Shining. And then uh, basically, um, like I said, I mean, we'll be covering everything Star Wars for now on. Whenever, you know, the Soka comes out, we'll cover that. And in the meantime, besides that, you know, every Wednesday evening, you'll be finding us covering Secret Invasion all the way through the series. 9.35 p.m. Eastern, 6.35 p.m. Pacific on the MCU's Witty Edge Channel and Podcast. We're always live. Um, and um, on the Sundays, I'm doing a, as of next Sunday... I'll be doing a three-part Andor season one breakdown and recap, um, which I'll again be backed by nothing but full-on Star Wars lore knowing, you know, type guests and creators and whatnot to back me up when I moderate those shows. Tomorrow night, I start my first Monday show, our fourth show of the week. Um, that's going to be titled um The MCU Bleeding Edge Report. And that will be wide open. I'll cover anything I want every Monday. It'll be wide open. Fandom, non-fandom, whatever. I'll talk about it. Sounds good to me, my friend. Once again, that's the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Please go ahead and give Jeff Sloboda some love over there at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. You know, he covers it all, not just MCU anymore, Star Wars, pop culture, movies, and more. So go ahead and check it out today, the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Well, my friend, you've been incredible as always. You asked me and asked me, and you know, I always try to deliver when you ask me, my friend. You you do a great show, and I highly recommend it to everyone out there. I catch shows all the time on the fly. I know you always ask me to go on. I'm usually busy, tied up. You give me at like the worst hour, so I'm like, oh, but I tell you what, I always watch, and I always enjoy the, the opinions you guys have at the MC's Bleeding Edge. I will try to make an effort to make, make it on the summer. I promise you. I promise you that. I, I will hold to my word. My word's my bond on that. But I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm looking forward to 
more shows with you, more episodes with you, more segments with you covering the world of pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.